0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us 855 950 3835. It is Monday, May 16th. We are here live. We had a little bit of a snafu right now. I guess I'm about four minutes late, but I've been talking the last four minutes. I just didn't realize nobody was hearing me. Um, one piece of our software I updated this morning. And then I tested it and everything worked fine, but uh, for some reason I had to restart that program. So I believe I'm here now. It looks like the broadcast is going the way it's supposed to, so I'll just start over. Uh, I will let you know that it is a free-for-all today and the phone lines are open. We actually had a bunch of calls coming in earlier and now they're gone, but... Um, So if you want to join us, anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, it's just the one show today. Not a whole lot going on. I may start using um, Monday afternoons as uh, a day to kind of get my book reviews done. I haven't decided yet on the book review if I'm going to do them live as a show and take calls or if I'm just going to do it as recorded and Whether they're always going to be at the same time every week. I know people like that because you know when to listen. But sometimes, if I have a little more freedom on those to do them at different times, I'll be able to get more done. So, still working on that. But today, uh, it is a free for all. I'll stay here as long as we have calls and questions. So, line them up 855 950 3835. My open today is really more of a preview of things that I'm working on that will probably become episodes or opens for future shows with more detail. Um, I started working on some things over the weekend, a little bit, not a lot. Spent a lot of time in the garden, and Lisa and I got a lot of canning done. Um, But I started working on some ideas, and then I continued with them this morning. But none of them... um, well, like I say, they'll all make they make a good show or a good open for probably destination health in the pit, but there's a lot going on right now in the economy. And the economy's everything, and I'm just not finding any good news right now in the economy. And I'm absolutely shocked about the response from this administration or the lack of response or the programs that are really not going to fix this problem, not going to have any impact. Uh, A couple I'll talk about. Again, I'm not going to get too deep into them right now. But six to eight months ago, leading up into the holidays, remember the talk was all about all the container ships sitting off the port and we couldn't get them unloaded and we couldn't get things delivered. And since that time, and in fact longer than that, um, really for the last two plus years, We've been talking about shortages, you know, go all the way back to the paper towel, toilet paper shortage, mask shortages. Uh, We're still talking about shortages and now it's baby formula and so many other things. We're talking about possibly rationing diesel fuel in the New England states this summer. So if we think back six to eight months ago about the only thing we heard out of the administration that they were doing, they kept saying, we're doing everything we can to fix this. Everything. They kept saying that. They still say it. We're doing everything we can. When you ask them what everything is, give us an example. What are you doing? Crickets. So the one thing that they actually did come out and talk about, and they've got a new idea now, So, six to eight months ago, remember, um, Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, decided that um, we needed to make truck driving a better career. That was his answer. Well, first off, you know, I really don't like government involvement in in fuzzy kind of areas like that. We need to make the... uh, truck driving a better career, what does that mean? And first off, that if you can pull that off as a government, I don't know how you do, but if you can, we're talking about years before that has an impact. Years, not months. So first off, I don't believe that's the place of the government, but if they're going to do it, don't do it now, trying to convince people that somehow that's going to make our supply chain work better. But it gets even crazier than that. Um, I read this headline, and I thought, what does that even mean? So, DOT seeks members for transportation equity committee. So I started reading this. This whole word equity um, used to mean how much value we had in our home. And actually, equity is kind of based on value and net and those kind of things. But now we've, we've totally changed the meaning of the word equity. And I don't understand what the new meaning of the word is, by the way, but I read this whole article and the whole article is a giant word salad. And all I could actually get out of it was this group that they're seeking members. They're, they're asking people to apply to be a part of this group. The best I can tell is that this group is supposed to study and figure out better ways of reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but only in selected communities. We ha- it, It's all about disadvantaged communities and how they're being impacted by greenhouse gases. Well, first of all, we don't really have a clue how any of us are being affected by greenhouse gases. We just don't. And to think that we should now target individual communities and figure out how it's impacting them. And then what are we going to do to fix that? We could argue about the whole program, but the bigger argument is why now? Why would you put any time or effort into something that can barely be defined will have zero impact on the problems we're all facing today, and yet we don't hear a single thing about what they're doing to fix the supply chain, and honestly, what they need to do to fix it is just get the hell out of the way. Stop all the damn regulations. Stop studies and groups like this Get the hell out of the way and let business do business. It, it's probably too late. It, like I, I said in my last open that nobody heard, um, I'm keeping track of economic news, and I can't find anything good. I, I could, Like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into the details now, but I'm working on a show with this. The, the economic news right now is bad, and this is what our government's doing. Putting together groups to figure out something that they can't even define doesn't make any sense and is going to have zero impact. Um, now, here's something that I haven't been hearing anywhere. It was actually this article is in Transport Topics. Kudos to them. Um, gasoline prices are at record high. Diesel prices are at record high. We keep hearing about supply and demand and should we pump more and we should be pumping more, but we're not going to in this country. We're asking other countries to do it, which is also our solution to the baby formula now. Um, The world's greatest superpower and greatest economy, the United States, can't even produce its own formula or fuel now. We're, We're begging other countries to do it for us. We're going to import... Baby formula from Europe because we can't produce enough of it how sad is that so here's the problem when it comes to oil that I haven't heard anybody talking about a lot of the problems right now are because we don't have enough refining capacity so even if we get more crude oil supplies we can't refine it and here's why Because of the COVID lockdowns, during the COVID lockdowns, refineries, if they had a line or a refinery that was sort of profitable, but it's old technology, it can cost hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars to update these refineries. And because of the COVID lockdowns, many of these companies decided to just close those refineries. And it doesn't look like they're going to open them back up because- The government's in the way. Too many regulations. We have an administration that is clearly against fossil fuels. And companies are not going to make investments into refineries and fossil fuels in an economic or a political environment like this. In an economic environment like this, they should be scrambling to get those back online. Because there's so much demand, prices are so good, their profits are through the roof. The oil companies right now are making a lot of money. But they are private businesses. They get to decide how they want to invest their money. They are saying, we're not going to invest in refineries. We're not even going to invest much into crude oil going forward because the, or the political environment is just against it. You can't take that kind of risk. So we're going to be facing high fuel prices and shortages for the foreseeable future, and I don't know how we're going to get out of this. doesn't look good when you go through the numbers, and again, I may turn this into a, an open, but... Uh, One more point, and then I'm going to get to the calls because they're starting to come in. So line them up, 855-950-3835. In the last week, I've read many articles, and I've got an idea starting to come together. It's just a really tough topic. It's going to take a while. Um, I've read several articles and pieces on how lockdowns, masks, and vaccines Affected our economy, affected our health, affected our children. All of the effects were negative, all of them. And yet we're still pushing this kind of crap. So that's just a preview. I may do a, I don't know whether to make that a destination health or a pit. Maybe it'll be a combo of the two because that all three of those really encompass our economy our life, our businesses, our jobs, our health, all of it, and it's a fairly complicated topic, and most of this news is buried. You really have to dig to find this stuff, but everything we're looking back at now, all of our responses to COVID led us to where we are now and not in a good way. All right, I'm going to get to the calls because they are starting to pile up. Let's go to... Kansas to get started. Bob, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, how are you doing today, Kevin?
0: Good. What's on your mind?
1: Hey, I my I guess my comment would be about the baby formula thing. I mean, we've been like a species for like two hundred and fifty thousand years, maybe been evolving for three million years, and we've been breastfeeding all of this time. We've never needed baby formula until what the last maybe. 50 to 100 years and does that it's just a commentary on how sick society is and how weak and sick we are that we can't even you know for billions of years or hundreds of thousands of years we've been able to feed our babies without a special formula I can't it's just hard to believe how weak we have become and how dependent we are on these factory you know things that we have to have but you know, for all of these hundreds of thousands of years, we didn't need any of that.
0: No, you, you have it exactly right. And nobody's even talking about this. We talk about the supply chain and, you know, can we get some from Europe? And hopefully they don't even think about importing any kind of formula from China. Um, you're right. Why aren't we? Well... We're not talking about it in this case, just like we're not talking about it with COVID. I said many times, COVID should have never been a problem. It's just that we've become so weak as human beings, and that's going to continue to get worse. But you're correct on the formula. This is such a new thing, having formula for babies. I mean, it's not even a microsecond in the amount of time we've been on the planet and yet look at the problems it's causing. Mostly in our country, we're, we're probably the worst at this. Uh, and, you know, when you try to bring this up, I've, I've seen discussions about this online, and the minute you bring anything up like this, you get pounced on, and it's, you need to stop shaming women because they can't breastfeed their babies. No, we don't need to stop shaming them. We need to talk about this. I don't, I'm not doing it to shame somebody. I'm doing it to point out the fact that we've become so weak now as human beings and so unhealthy that you are dependent, and look at what happens when you're dependent. We have parents now running My wife to multiple stores every day at $5 a gallon gas to try to find overpriced baby formula that's not good for their baby anyway. But if you bring that up, you get slammed for shaming women. And I get all the reasons why women can't do it. And they're legitimate reasons. They're too unhealthy that they don't produce enough breast milk. But try to say that and you'll get slammed twice as hard. They may not be able to... Oh, my
1: wife jumped down my throat. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I mentioned this... I said, I mentioned I, this exact thing happened. I had mentioned this to my wife and she jumped down my throat about this. She's like, you can't talk about this, but I'm like, I'm not talking about you or any person directly. I'm just talking about society and how, how we have weakened ourselves to the point that we're dependent on these, you know, these commercial products just to do essential things for our children. And, and, let's take it one
0: step further. Why can't we talk about somebody directly? If, it, the, honestly, the intention is to try to help them. Why can't we point out to a mother who is now desperate to feed her baby? She can't do it because she's either on, here's another reason, they're on some sort of medication that doesn't allow them to breastfeed because it's toxic to the baby. Why are so many people on all these toxic medications? Why aren't we talking about this? It's the same thing with COVID. Had we talked about this more, COVID wouldn't have been a pandemic. We wouldn't have these kind of shortages of. Or of formula if more women were able to. When a woman says, well, I'd love to, but I'm not able to. I, I get that. Let's talk about why you're not able to. And maybe it's too late for you. I don't know. But shouldn't we be talking about this so, so other mothers have options, so other human beings realize there's a better way to live than being dependent on our toxic food supply and then being dependent on our government to try to fix it? We can see where that gets us right here where we are today. Wouldn't we rather have a better future than this?
1: Absolutely. Hey, Kevin, I just was going to change this a little bit, but I, uh, I started the book, uh, good calories, bad calories. And, uh, I, I was just struck by listening to this book, how, and he goes way back into history and how many times we have figured this out and then forgotten it. It's like a, 30 to 50 year cycle where we figure out the proper diet. And this is like going back to the 1700s yeah, that we yeah, figure out right. the proper diet for humans. And then 30 years later, because of it's so profitable to be in this manufacturer of food business, it, it starts to take hold again. And then another 30, 50 years come, go by and then we're like, Oh, everybody's getting sick and having diabetes or we are this, these odd problems. And then it's, Then it's right back. Then we start to get further away from this. And then it goes right back to, because I think it has so much to do with the profitability these huge companies have on the control of our food supply. that It will always be, we will always be wrestling between this industry and what is proper for humans to consume.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring that up. I, I found a new author, and when I say I found him, I've seen this author's name around for a couple decades. I don't know why I never chose to read any of his books. He writes a lot. Um, I, I was really just looking. I've been doing a ton of reading for research, and I thought, you know, I just need a break this weekend. I want to read some you know, a good novel. So um, David Baldacci is the author. Been around forever, written a ton of books. Somehow I never read any of his books. So um, I got one of his books, read it. Absolutely love the guy's writing. So I'm binging now, and it's awesome because he has so many books. But in one of his books, in one paragraph, and I'm probably going to incorporate this into a Destination Health Open maybe at some point, in one paragraph – he totally outlined all the worst health advice we have had in the last 50 years. And the point was, this, this main character was this amazing detective, and uh, his family got murdered, and he, you know, ends up homeless and he gains, like, you know, 200 pounds, and now he's back to being a detective again. So in one paragraph, they outlined all of the worst health advice you could possibly imagine. He even says, and, and and now I have to eat this new salad dressing from canola oil. It sounds so healthy. And I think canola oil sounds healthy. How screwed up are we? That stuff is toxic. But it, he went through all of them, the low fat, the lean protein, the Exercise till you fall over, the you know, more expend more calories than you take in. I mean, he wrapped it all up in one paragraph, and I'm like, right there in that one paragraph is 50 years of really, really bad health advice, and we're still talking
1: about it. Uh that's awesome. It's good to hear from you, Kevin. I'll let you go. Have a good right.
0: Great stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to. Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program.
1: Hey Kevin. Well I'm uh <clears throat> calling you by way of the new app. I used the ask a question button. Oh. And it popped up the phone number, I hit it and dialed right in. How cool. I love that. How how cool. So uh I had a cardio miracle question, but now I just gotta say this about the baby formula why are we not at least promoting the natural breastfeeding idea? Oh, I don't
0: get it. You're absolutely right. And I said this, I think on Friday, since this is a true emergency, I mean, you, i I've, there are people that are scrambling all day to try to find formula and it's costing them a fortune. And yet the response from the FDA everywhere, I keep seeing articles do not try to make your own formula at home. They are they are saying don't, do, absolutely don't do it. Are, are you kidding me? The FDA should be all over the airwaves, all over social media, promoting making your own at home and showing people how to do
1: it. Well, and the other part I heard Friday on terrestrial radio, this one amazed me, that the administration says, that they're going to allow imports of formula. Okay, wait a minute. I haul intermodal. Um, The ships, the trains, you can't hardly get a chassis to put a container on right now, even if the container makes it to the city that it's supposed to be in. It's going to take three, four months for a container of stuff to come from wherever across the world. What are you going to do in the meantime?
0: Exactly. Let's just tie up the supply chain even more. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, so Cardio Miracle.
0: Okay, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Cardio Miracle, I got it. And in the words of Mr. Wonderful, I think, what does he say? It's itcha karamba" or whatever that tagline <laughs> is he says. that That's kind of what that aftertaste does when it smacks you in the back of the head. Have you come up with something to put in it so that's not so radical? Here, Woo, man.
0: Here's the odd thing, Herschel. I am really sensitive to those sweetener aftertastes. Forget the the artificial sweeteners. I hate those things, and the aftertaste on those is awful. Sucralose, all of them. Stevia and sugar alcohols do tend to have an aftertaste as well. It's usually not as bad as the artificial stuff, but I'm still pretty sensitive to it. I pick it up pretty quickly, and I don't like it. And a lot of times I won't consume a product just because of that. Lisa's the same way. She's even more sensitive to it than I am. Here's the interesting thing. I get none of that with Cardio Miracle. No aftertaste at all. Lisa says the same thing. And I keep hearing online people keep saying the same thing. They love the taste of it. There's no aftertaste. You are the first person I've heard to say that.
1: Oh, I'm wondering about putting a snort of maple syrup in it, maybe. That'll calm it down. I don't how, know.
0: How much water are, what's your ratio of water to one scoop? A scoop to 20 ounces. Oh, you're really diluting it then. You shouldn't taste that at all. How weird.
1: That's, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and it gives me this dry, cottony taste for like a couple of hours. I mean. I'll drink a half a gallon of water trying to wash out the aftertaste. Oh, my God.
0: That is really interesting because, like I said, normally I am so sensitive to that that there are very few products with stevia even that I'll eat. And stevia is a completely natural sweetener. Hell, I've got i I've got a stevia plant growing in my garden, and it's crazy. You pick a leaf and chew it, it is so insanely sweet, but I, I – I, The only other product I know of that I will consume that has Stevie in it is Lily's chocolate, because in that chocolate, I get no aftertaste whatsoever. But just yesterday, I was out in the garden. I do a giant tumbler, um, about the same ratio as you, one scoop to about 20 ounces. And the reason I drink it is because it's so clean and it's so hydrating when I'm outside. So I wonder if this is almost like one of those weird genetic things like there are a lot of people who can't eat cilantro because it tastes like soap to them and it's a genetic thing a lot of other people obviously love cilantro i'm one of them but there are people who won't go near it because it tastes like soap you uh, and we should start this conversation on healthy tribe and i'll ask for feedback now if anybody else experiences this i have the exact opposite experience
1: How big of a deal is it to do that before having anything to eat in the morning? That's what it says on a jug. But how big of a deal is it if you have or have not eaten?
0: I don't think those things are big deals. You know, a lot of times companies will will write that in because they do want people to get the absolute best outcome possible. There are some nutrients that sometimes can be blocked by other nutrients. So I'm sure somewhere there was some science behind that statement, but I just don't get too crazy about stuff like that.
1: Now I'm just doing the one scoop one time a day because I don't know if I can choke the second one down. Wow.
0: Yes, it's kind of funny. I was just talking about this yesterday with Lisa. <laughs> I never get to my second cup, even though I want to. It's just like I run out of time in the day, and by the time I get to that point late in the night, I really don't feel like drinking another 20 ounces of water. Um, so, I But I want to. I just don't ever seem to get the time or it doesn't work out. But for me, I, I'm, it, our, the biggest thing we talk about this, honestly, between Lisa and I is how clean the taste is. And I, I've seen that same conversation online. So I want to start hearing from the people that say it's not that clean. That, you know, sweetener aftertaste is awful. You're the first one, but I'm sure there must yeah, be it's more.
2: Good. It, it's good until
1: it hits bottom, and then it's like, hello. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how those sweeteners
0: <laughs> react. For me, it's the same thing. It's an aftertaste. It, it's not, you don't get it when yeah. it's in your mouth. You get it after you swallow.
1: Yep, yep. I just finished mine probably an hour ago, and I'm still tasting it. Like, ah, yuck.
0: (laughs) No, I know the feeling. I know the feeling exactly, and that's why there are several products that I just won't eat because of that. But I absolutely don't get that with this product.
1: It reminds me of years ago, back in the 70s. I'm about your age. I'll be 56 in August. Tab was a big deal. Everybody oh. thought Tab was great. So I tried it. I was a kid. You know, I tried it. Oh, my God. It makes me think of the Tab back in the 70s. I, I hated it. I
0: know, ex- no way. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I am the same way. It, like I said, I have found two products. Now, I've never found a product with sucralose or Splenda or any of those other. They always taste awful to me. Stevia. Every now and then, I'll find a product where I can't tell that there's stevia in there. And it, right now, it's the Lily's chocolate and Cardio Miracle. I really just don't taste it.
1: Have you ever had Alter Eco chocolate?
0: Yes, I have actually.
1: Oh, that stuff! Oh my God, I gotta be careful. Of that stuff. It, it's good. I yeah. make sparks fly off one of them bars. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh it, man. <laughs> that
0: is that is good chocolate.
1: All right, man, I'll leave you be and let you get on to somebody else. Thank you.
0: Hey, one more thing real quick. I just got this from Angie, so um, I need to ask her if she's experiencing this with Cardio Miracle. It says, I get the same, stevia monk fruit, erythritol. I'll have a nice taste initially, but then gets an awful aftertaste Uh, cilantro tastes like soap for her. So she's one of the people. Do you like cilantro? I don't know if there's any connection here or not, but.
1: Not red really. to me. It kind of tastes like a moldy sweat sock might smell. If you can figure <laughs> out that taste, it's odd. It's really odd. <laughs> I can't do a lot of cilantro. No, that's actually
0: a genetic thing. If you take like uh, the twenty-three and Me DNA test, there's actually they'll tell you whether or not you have the gene that makes cilantro taste funny. Um, Angie has never tried <laughs> Cardio Miracle, so I may have to get her to try some so we can test this theory.
1: Yeah, that, tell her to have at it and keep you a glass of milk or something. think
0: you might want to. <laughs> all right, we'll uh, all We'll we'll, uh, we'll keep talking about that though. I'd love to hear from some other people because, like I said, it, it's actually interesting that when we talk about it, it's the opposite. We actually talk about how clean the taste is. That's if I'm outside working, you know, on a hot summer day and I'm sweating a lot. Normally, all I want is water because anything else makes my mouth feel funny, that aftertaste is weird, almost anything at that point. I'd rather just have water. Cardiomerica is one of the first products like that that I actually look forward to having it when I'm outside and sweating a lot. Let's, uh, let's grab another call. We've got, uh, we've got some room on the lines if you want to jump in right now, 855 855- Nine five zero three eight three five. Jump in. I'll stay here as long as we've got questions today. But uh, after the questions run out, uh, I don't think we have anything else today. I'm not doing any shows after the free for all. Uh, actually, I'm going to go work on my show schedule. We've been rolling out new shows and testing new technology, and we need to stay on the schedule. We uh, just had an update on the app. Um, Herschel was just talking about that with the call-in button. That's obviously working. Uh, The app is coming along well. We hope to have that out here soon to the general public, and then we'll start working on our broadcast platform and app as well. So lots of stuff coming up. We're rolling out new shows. Um, We're working on two new shows in the background with two new hosts. I'm excited about that. Uh, and the network is growing, so let's get to those calls. Let's go to Oklahoma, Joe. Welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Kevin, long time! I haven't talked to you in a long, really long time. Uh, about About your about your oil refineries, I was kicked out in '79. So, is that right? I was a oh, oh yeah, I was a refinery worker for, for I don't know two years two and a half years, something like that, and they just quit building refineries altogether. So everybody those was building refineries went off to paper plants because they were building paper plants like they were nothing.
0: Yeah, you know, th- we've heard this before that a lot of times, you know, when we get hurricanes in the Gulf and it puts a, a, a refinery out of commission for a while, then we have shortages and prices go up. What we haven't been hearing is that, and sometimes it's as simple as that, they have a, a refinery damaged by a hurricane, they're not rebuilding them. And nobody's been talking about that. So now, all of a sudden, we're short on crude oil itself. But even if we get enough crude oil, it doesn't look like it's going to solve the problem because we can't refine it.
1: Well, when I started doing that, I, uh, I, I find it finally. Everybody kind of explained it to me. A plant, a plant, a plant. It can be a refinery. It can be a Kellogg's plant. It can be a. It could be a hydroelectric dam. You get the same construction workers doing the same thing that's a good point So, you, so there's no shortage of labor it's not the labor well here's i, I thought they couldn't get people yeah well here's
0: it. here's part of the problem like you said this has been going on in the refinery world for a long time and we've heard about it before but as long as our gas was relatively cheap like it has been for years and we never have any shortages then nobody pays attention to that kind of stuff but it's been going on slowly over time now we're at a place where there, it's become critical and we're at this place where all of these things that have been building up for years are now critical. And I, I'm just shocked in our country, we're talking about so many shortages of so many things. But to, to talk about your point with, with labor, you know, two or three years ago, there was no labor shortage whatsoever. Now there actually is. And, and I don't know why. Uh, I I don't where did everybody go that used to work it's did they all die of COVID or the vaccine one of the two you can't get people to do anything anymore Uh, you know I'm looking at trying to get some work done here locally and just forget it if you can even get somebody to come out and give you an estimate the estimate is so ridiculously high you know what they're doing they have so much work, they just throw out crazy prices, and if somebody takes it, then they'll figure out a way to do the job. I think that's all going to come to an end here pretty soon. Uh, we're already starting to see housing had, prices are pulling back, and I, I don't think this is going to yep. go on for long. But right now, they would have a problem building or repairing refineries because they wouldn't be able to get enough people either.
1: I had a shop do that to me the other day, 20000 to paint the truck. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's
0: happening. I, I, I <laughs> No, no, he just didn't want to do the work. He that, just said, if you're crazy enough to pay me that, I'll do it. That's what I mean. and And I know what that's <laughs> like. I've been in that position myself where I used to do a lot of speaking. I used to travel to speak. I would speak almost anywhere where somebody invited me if they paid me a reasonable amount of money. I wanted to get my name out. I wanted to build a reputation. Then I got to the point where speaking is like, the least thing i want to do it i don't want to travel i don't want to go do that much anymore i like working directly with our tribe and our listeners and so i still get invitations all the time i give them ridiculously high prices and every now and then somebody will take it and when they do sure i'll go do that job but that, that's what we're seeing everywhere now. They just give you these crazy high estimates and figure they have more work than they know what to do with.
1: Hmm. Well, the reason I called you is because I bought a 2008 uh, Peterbilt that has been deleted, and you know, it's a real trouble. I, I, I just want your opinion on it, if you don't mind.
0: Uh, what's the question specifically? I, I, I We are absolutely against deleting.
1: Bias- I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, it's supposed to have an art on it It's got a CAT C-15 It's supposed to have an art on it um, When I went to pick it up I thought there was no art on it So it's been deleted Now you can delete a truck And you, it still looks like You know, it hadn't been deleted But whoever deleted this truck They took everything off And um, I, I didn't catch it And my understanding is that If somebody sells you a truck That's been deleted They have to tell you
0: Well, wait a minute. That would be like uh, if they tell you they're admitting they broke the law.
1: No, they're just. My understand my my understanding is you can sell a deleted truck if you tell the person no where where
0: where have you read or heard that? How would it be okay to sell one when it's illegal to delete it in the first
1: place? Well, because there's multiple uses. In other words. If you if you put on there deleted, what that means is it's just a parts truck. You know, oh, it, you, I see you can't what you're drive saying.
0: That down the highway. I, I see. right? Okay. So, oh, so, so well, I, I guess. It, what? I, I guess that could be the case. You're right. There are legal reasons you're allowed to delete trucks, but once you do it, it's no longer you know legal for highway use. I see what you're saying. So yeah, I'm with you. I would think. Now, this could also be state to state because a lot of vehicle transfer laws are state laws, not federal laws. So, are you aware of the state where the transaction took place, where you bought the truck, what their laws
1: are about this? Oh, no, but I did call it. I, I got it in Indiana. I drove it down here. It drove great. Right? I, mean, I don't know. So, I called the lawyer there and he told me. He wants pictures, and he wants two people to come out and give testimonials. And I have no idea what, is, what, the, what that even means. Furthermore, he says, even if I do sue and win, if he's got everything in somebody else's name, I'm never going to get anything.
0: Well, he, he, here's the thing about lawsuits that a lot of people don't realize. There are multiple steps if you're trying to get money back on something or some sort of damages. First, you have to be able to take them to court, whether that's small claims court or a traditional court, and that depends on the amount you're suing for and what state you're in. And if you do happen to win a judgment, people think, oh, I won. Yeah, but what have you won? Because the courts don't do much about collecting these judgments. They just issue the ruling. Yes, you you have a judgment against this person. Now, trying to collect that money for all kinds of reasons. One, they might have put... The name, you know, all their stuff in somebody else's name, too. They may not have anything. You know, we need to be careful about suing somebody that doesn't have anything to recover. And there's all kinds. Most oh, judgments got, this, n- never get paid out.
1: This, guy, this, guy, this guy's got money. But one thing that took me aback well, well, hold, was hold, he hold, said. Hold, hold on, look,
0: Joe. Go ahead. Joe, you can't know that, I don't think, unless you absolutely have. Access to his financial records i don't care if the guy has thirty seven brand new cars in his garage and a two and a half million dollar home. It doesn't mean that he has any money. Hmm. he could be so far in debt that he's actually completely upside down and has a negative net worth. You, you can't know that about somebody You can just think it yeah it, I mean it looks like people have money <laughs> there, there's a lot of this going around you know it um I remember a term that I used to hear about Dallas all the time. I used to spend a lot of time in Dallas speaking and events and things. They, they called them $30,000 millionaires. They made thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, and when you looked at them, you'd think they'd make a million. They're driving a Mercedes, they're decked out in new clothes, and they are so upside down on everything they own. And I think we're going to see a lot of that now. I think we're going to see a lot of those people start to file personal bankruptcies because this economy is going to take them down. And then I get nothing. You right? get nothing. Exactly. Correct. You get a judgment yeah, and a piece of paper, correct. but you get nothing in return.
1: What took, what took me back was he also said, uh, since I, since before I took it, it was at a shop that guy used for a very long time. He D O T it fixed, made couple, made $4,000 worth of fixes. And, uh, I got so I got the DOT deal. He goes, you know what? I think I've been done? I'm gonna sue that shop. I thought, what? How can you sue the shop? Scott <laughs> goes, sue everybody. I guess. Well, that's what lawyers do.
0: I mean, it's like doctors and surgeons. If you go to a surgeon, they want to do surgery. That that's what they do. They don't look <laughs> for other options um same thing here lawyers that that's what they want to do they want to sue people because that's how they make money doesn't necessarily mean it's the best idea for you here's what i would do i mean i just like to give people practical advice you've already bought the truck i would not waste one minute or one dollar trying to sue somebody over this because the odds of you coming out of it in a good way are slim to none the amount of time that it can take, the cost that it can take, the odds that you're actually going to get something. If I were you, I would run this truck for a while. If it looks like it's going to be a good truck, like fuel economy is pretty good. Performance is good. I would just keep it and run it. I, I You know, I, I, if it wasn't a good truck, then I guess I'd try to resell it. And I guess I'd be more honest about telling the, you know, the buyers that it was deleted, unfortunately, but um, I would try running it first well, and see what it does. About,
1: well, that's also a crime, you know, doing that, selling that like that. And I'm not real sure, you know, because people were telling me before you even left, you should have called the sheriff. I said, well, Yeah. Hindsight, you know?
0: Yeah. Again, the sheriff's <laughs> going to come out and say, this is a civil matter. You know, they don't understand the law. It, 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 this is like uh, I really? said. Yeah, th- this is this is just a mess. the The whole situation. So, my practical advice, honestly, just run this truck, and if you like it, I would just keep it.
1: Well, I can guarantee you I'm not the only one. Oh no, I'm sure this happens quite a bit. Because you could, you could, if that R's on there, you can actually throw that R away every six months, and that truck will run just fine. Oh, I, I actually looked into it after I bought it. So. I know. Oh, well, it, and, I mean, you just got it. It's just another $3,000. I mean, it's yeah, just $3,000 you got to spend every six months, you know? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And and well, know, that was my plan, you know? You're right. It, it It is difficult sometimes unless you really understand these emission systems and how it's possible to delete them, but still leave all the parts on there and kind of make it look like it's it's difficult. Most people would not be able to figure it out.
1: Well, this guy didn't didn't even try. He just threw it all in the trash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, um, let, let's hope this thing runs well and gets decent fuel economy. And if it does, I would just keep it and make money with it.
1: Well, I appreciate your advice. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I hope things are going well with you and yours.
0: They are. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Florida. Derek, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Kevin, how are you?
0: Doing good. What's on your mind today?
1: Well, I just, uh, about a week or two ago, I installed an OPS on the truck. And at that time I, I dropped the T4 oil that was in there and put T6 in and I took a sample. At the meantime, to, to get a baseline for where I was at after a recent in-frame. So you should have that information from yeah,
0: us Yeah, so this one, it looks like you put, what, 16,000 miles on the oil, and we're at 26 on the in-frame. So I'm assuming you did that first oil change right yep. at about 10,000?
1: Yeah, it was, it was right in there at the 10,000 range. Okay. Um, and I just, and I just dropped it and, you know, with all the mess that's in there. And I, I probably should have dropped it earlier. Yeah. now no, that's, that's going r- hindsight looking back.
0: I, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we do recommend it. Uh, it's a good idea. I'm not sure how much of a difference it really does make. Um, who did right. the in frame? Oh,
1: uh, it was a Detroit shop in Omaha.
0: Well, they did a hell of a job, as far as I can tell from the sample, because this thing looks like it's running really well. Um,
1: yeah, silica- and I, I saw where they they flagged a little bit of they flagged a little bit of fuel dilution, but I if memory serves right, that isn't too high on your spec.
0: It's not even close to anything we would ever be concerned about. You're at two point one. I think they start okay. flagging it at two. And we tell people not even to think okay. about injectors until you get to four. I mean, you're not even close. So that, right. that okay. to me, is a really low fuel dilution number. They flagged a little bit of tin. It's three parts per million. that yeah, Your, your silicon is nice and low. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a soot issue for a Series 60. Um, it's a really clean engine. We like to get soot down under um 0.1 you're at 1.6 but i would give that some break in time um and if that doesn't clear up say by 75 to 100,000 miles then i would uh, and i may just do it anyway do the overhead on a series 60 somewhere between 75 and 100 but it it looks to me like they did a great job on this
1: Okay, great. Um, I'm glad to hear that. Like I said, this is my first time doing a sample, having a sample done on anything. So, um, Got the OPS running. It's been doing great. Um, I've installed a fleet air filter. I've been through to see uh, Chad down in Kansas City. So I'm I'm making the moves. I'm Excellent. just one little piece at a time, like Johnny Cash. So.
0: There you go. Excellent. <laughs> Love that. Well, keep it up and uh, keep sampling because it tells us a lot.
1: Yeah, so you'd recommend 25000 on that? Yep. Just pull a sample off the system?
0: Yep. Okay. If you have, you have the OPS... Right, well. Use the ten-inch filters and do a sample and a and a filter change every twenty-five thousand, and then we don't change the oil till that sample tells us we should.
1: Right, and and change the change the full flow filters every other time. Correct. Perfect.
0: Yep, you got it.
1: There you go. All right. I'd appreciate your time. Let you on to the next one.
0: Looking good. Thanks for the call. Let's, uh, oh, I do have a report back from Angie on the Cardio Miracle. Matt had some at home, so she tried it. Um, She sent me a green-faced emoji, and she doesn't like it. This is going to be interesting if it turns out this has some correlation with the cilantro gene. So, so far, two people who don't like the taste of Cardio Miracle, and that's been pretty rare so far. I haven't heard much of this at all. But neither one of them likes cilantro, and that's actually a genetic thing. So we'll uh, we'll have to see if that holds true or not. And the thing with the gene, by the way, is not 100% either. I have heard some people say they absolutely hate cilantro and they don't have that gene. I don't know if I've heard anybody that has the gene and likes cilantro, though, the other way around. I might have to do some digging on that. Let's, uh, let's go to Matt in Georgia. Matt, welcome to the program. Um, Matt, are you there? Let me try bringing him back in one more time. Something weird happened when I did that. How about this time? Matt, are you there? Huh. Huh. Angie, I'm going to put Matt back into the queue. Can you check that line for me? And I'm going to try uh, Vic and Sarah in Illinois. Welcome. Hey, what's up, Kevin? Hey, there you are. I, it must not be me then. What's, uh, what's on your mind today?
2: Oh, uh, a lot of things. You know, I, uh, You said you might have a second to get another call, so I had to bring this one by you. Who is in control of Texas border? Is it Governor Abbott or is it our
0: buddy Biden? Well, technically, for the most part, the federal government should be protecting all of our borders. That's their job. And we have several agencies That do it. We have Border Patrol, we have ICE, we have all kinds of agencies that can be a part of that protection. And then I do believe that states also have some rights about how they protect their own borders. And for the most part, states have not gotten involved with this. uh, And it's mostly been controlled at the federal level. But what we're seeing happening now, and especially in Texas, because they're getting hit the hardest. Is that the federal government is doing nothing. The, and this, these states and these local communities and farmers and ranchers are being horribly impacted by this. And the states are now stepping up, Texas, and saying, look, we'll spend our own money to fix this problem then. They're, they've been asking the federal government for, you know, well, since this administration took over, they've been asking the federal government for help. And the problem just continues to get worse the numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now we're worried about title 42 ending. I think that's coming up fairly soon and they're predicting those numbers could double or triple. So the States are saying, look, we have to step up and do something.
2: Well, my understanding is that also, and I kind of had this conversation with Matt also, um, now in this situation, you're the governor. Um, it's either going to cost you hundreds of millions of dollars to let all these people in, or it's going to cost you hundreds of millions of dollars to put the national guard or whoever down there at the border. Right. Right. Either way, it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. So where do you, what, what do you do? Do you, Are you reactive or are you proactive? Um, you want to keep running for offices in the future, or you want to stand out like a uh, Santos, you know, Right now, the only people in conservative lines that are really standing out seems to be the DeSantos guy, because he's doing all the right things. He's, you know, he's his character building is just went through the roof. And on top of it, uh, if this Abbott guy really wants to continue to have some type of thing, couldn't he spend, isn't there ways of putting people down there in the border stopping this stuff?
0: Well, there are ways, but you've also, one, you do have to look at the cost. You've got to look at uh, legalities, and, and that can get crazy because, you know, the federal government can tie them up in court if they decide to. They it, it, It'd be nice to think that all he has to do is, you know, write a couple orders and send people down to the border and this would stop, but... I just don't think it's that simple. Texas has a really, really big border and a lot of problems. And they are reactive right now because we've always left this to the federal government. That's the way it's worked for as far back as we can remember. Now, again, after a year plus of begging the government to do something, we we have a president who's never been to the border. And from what I understand, never in his entire 48 or 50 year political career, not just as a president, it's one of our biggest problems. He's not there. He appointed Kamala to be the border czar. She's done nothing whatsoever. Um, now we find out that it's very possible that the illegal immigrants have all the baby formula they need if they break the law and come into our country. So maybe one of the strategies for the moms who can't find formula, maybe take a cheap flight into Mexico and then cross the border illegally. You'll be able to feed your baby that way. Uh, The border's a mess, and the federal (laughs) government is doing absolutely nothing, and now these states are trying to play catch-up.
2: Well, we, we've been listening to this since we've, you know, since we've been listening, actually paying attention to it, all, your, both of our lives, lifetime, I was born and raised down there in Southern California, and it was never that big of an issue until right. it was an issue. Just like we don't know what we don't know until we, we figure out we don't know it, then we start doing a little research and we find out that, um, well, wait a second, if this guy in governor is going to have to spend these hundreds of millions of dollars in medical and, and all the emergencies and all the different things that pertain to the, uh, a million people coming into your state, you know, the, the uh, all the different expenditures that are going to happen. Um, wait a second. If I put some expenses up here, I might be able to divert some down here. So, I, I mean, I, it just seems like I know it's a very frustrating situation for them people's and people who are down there. I, I can imagine you're sitting on the border. I mean, the only way to offset that is to put the money up front, be bold, got to be bold, make a stand now. And hopefully, you know, people like you and I, we remember this guy. Oh yeah. I remember back when governor Abbott. He did this when all this stuff was going on, and man, look at it now. We That was that was a bold move. You'll be remembered for that. <laughs> or just let hundreds of millions of people come into our, uh, hundreds of thousands of people come into our society, and then we find out later down the road some guy wiped out a, a supermarket in um, Buffalo, New York. You know, oh, it's just an 18-year-old kid. It had nothing to do with that. No, people listen to all this stuff, and they start getting pissed. They start getting angry. Then I'll take life into my own hands and stop shit like this happens. I mean this is going to yeah. happen. This is like a a domino effect.
0: No, so there's Ed- no there's no doubt. You're right. Let me play devil's advocate because Abbott's in a tough place right now. A state like Texas. Yeah. Holy cow, that is a huge economy. There is a lot going on in a state like Texas, and the governor's got to be responsible for it all. And you have to remember, if the federal government is always taking care of our borders, which they always have, there's nothing in the state's budget that's ever been set aside for things like this. Why would there be? Why would you have a budget for something you don't need to spend money on? The federal government always did. Now all of a sudden he's in this position the federal government's not doing anything. I, I, did you see what he was doing? He was putting these illegal immigrants on buses and sending them to D.C. to try to get their attention.
2: <laughs> that was, yeah, that was great. I liked that. It was, yeah,
0: it, it, it's, it's symbolic. That was, that was, a, a couple bus loads isn't going to fix the problem, but it, it was at least a, a plea. Look, we need help, and we're sending these people to you because we can't handle them anymore. Now he has a tough decision to make. If he's going to spend a bunch of money on the southern border, he's got to take it from somewhere else in the budget. Now you create another financial problem in the state. And depending on who that problem impacts, you could be out of a job at the next election. This is not that simple. You are correct. He's going to have to spend the money one way or the other. But the the first thing they're trying to do before they, because if you start building border walls, I mean, once you spend it, that money's gone. If you spend money to put a bunch of National Guard troops and other enforcement agencies down there, the money's gone. So the, the, you know, your first attempt is always, look, why isn't the federal government doing their job here? Why do we have to spend our money? Our, our, and don't forget, governments don't have any money. That's the taxpayers of Texas. That's their money. And he has to decide how to spend it and what makes sense. And there's no good answer. If he's going to protect that border, he's going to have to pull the money off of some other place where they needed it maybe just as much or more.
2: Yeah, I don't... I, 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 that's pretty much what our buddy said. He that, that alluded to the same scenario. But it just, you know, you, you get to the point where... You know, and then when we start seeing we, you know, we'll, we'll see this. We'll see these people, these Asians. They're, they're not just what people call Mexicans and the Salvadorians and Colombians. They're, they're Cubans. They're coming halfway across the country to go in illegally, which gets them in legally, then they go through those borders. Now, it only takes a handful of times before everybody gets the conclusion, wait a second, you know, this is how you get through the country. I remember back when, Sarah and I went to Aruba. The only thing we, we, we thought of in a kind of in the jokingly way, had we gotten stopped in Aruba, all we would have had to do is go across the continent, drive back up, and then go through it illegally and we'd be back it, in our country. I,
0: everybody but, in the everybody in the world now knows we have no southern border. They're flying from all over the world into Mexico or other South American countries so that they can just walk across our border. Why why wouldn't you? I mean, I don't blame the people for doing this. That Our government has basically said, come on in. We'll take care of you.
2: And it's been like this for I don't know how long. And I remember back in the 80s and 90s um, where they used to talk about how, you know, Carter was letting everybody in. But he was saying, well, I only want him in for the conservative people who own these big old farms. They want the labor." They don't say anything, and they just let us take it, and they let us take our little piece of the pie, and, and we'll take the blame for everything, you know? And uh, um, I mean, we, this is so... Re- Go ahead.
0: It, yeah, I just want to make it clear. I am all for legal immigration. In fact, right now, based on what's going on in our economy... I want to increase the numbers of legal people immigrants we allow to come to this country. Increase the number, encourage more people to come. We need them. We have a huge labor shortage in this country. Why not bring in more people? But why why don't we be responsible about it? We should be vetting these people. They just found like 30 or 40 people on the terror watch list that they caught crossing the southern border. If we caught thirty or forty, there's probably three hundred of them at least on the terror watch list. But we should be expanding our legal immigration. We should be locking down the borders hard. We should be putting a stop to all of this flooding across the border and then just we just let you into the country. That needs to stop and we need to increase the the number of legal uh, immigrants we're allowing into the country.
2: And, and you know what? Since we we're out of high school, just out of high school, that stuff's been going on. We've been these conversations have gone on, and this is what we should do. This is what we should do. And then here we are, forty years—is it thirty? It's forty. Forty years later,
3: yes, yeah. it's,
2: it's yeah. same thing same scenario. And here we are talking about it, and it's I—that's you know, listen twice as much, you know, uh, as, as you as you speak. That's why I don't kind of call in, I just listen to you, you know, and I listen to you go on and pick up my stuff that stays in my brain, and um, my God, this, this scenario that we're dealing with right now, it's so far out of realm of reality that, you know, your pet, well, you know, partners in... So, with, with,
0: yeah, so let me, let me just play ahead. off of the comment you just made, that you and I, when we graduated 40 years ago, and... The reason you focus on 40 years ago when you and I graduated is because that's probably about the time we first started paying attention to these kind of things, right? As a 10-year-old, as a yep. you don't think about this kind of stuff. So really, we could go back even further. That's just when you and I became aware of this. It's been going on longer, but let's not just talk about the border. Um, have high gas prices and shortages been a problem in the past? Wasn't it the 70s where we had to ration gas and we had lines everywhere? So air, that's...
2: Air, air, whatever, whatever your license plate right. allowed you, that was the day, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or,
0: Yeah. Right, right. So that's not a new problem. Do you remember in the late 70s, early 80s, how bad crime was in big cities? New York was a cesspool. Remember how bad New York City was as far as crime was in the 80s and other big cities?
2: You would never... Yeah, you would never think about visiting on a vacation.
0: Correct. Uh, that, so that's not a new problem. Um, we talk about in the 80s, early 80s, we had stagflation and rampant inflation, which was a huge problem. So that's not a new problem. Here's, here's what's happening, though. Almost each one of those problems peaked at different times. Now, all of a sudden... We are dealing with all of them at once, and we're setting records. We're setting record numbers in crime. We're setting record prices for fuel and gas, and now we're talking about shortages. We're talking about baby formula shortages. The southern border doesn't even exist anymore. They're just, so all of, the, all of these problems, we could look and say, well, yeah, there were other times in the past when they were bad, Never have they been this bad, and never had we had to deal with them all at the same time.
2: You know, it's... it's. I, I try to bury my head. I, I listen to your theory on, well, you know what? Don't just listen to one news of it. Listen to a couple of them. Get your, you know, formulate your opinion. I can't listen to you. none of them. It's even Fox. It's getting... You know, I don't watch NBC, 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 I don't, I watch all that stuff. It's all negative, and it's all angry, and, you know, so I don't watch it. So then I listen to your, you know, your, your Tuckers, or your, now it's only Gutfeld, I barely listen to Tucker, because he does that to me, he'll go, oh, did you catch this, watch this, and then you watch it, and you go, God damn it, I didn't watch that, because I didn't want to see this shit, now, <laughs> you're making me watch it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I get so it. So,
2: I, I, that's. I don't listen to Hannity anymore because he does a lot of that. And then you, get you know, Jesse Waters and all these people. Hey, watch this! Here, like, hey, I'm going to show you this. God damn it! I didn't watch that because I don't well, want to listen to that shit. Well, I want you a know, unfair and unbalanced. Kind of-
0: I I have a theory on why we're getting so fed up with hearing this. It's because. We've been hearing it now for years, literally. We've been hearing it for years. And I get tired of talking about it because there don't seem to be any solution. Well, that's not true. There are plenty of solutions the people in charge don't seem interested in solutions. And and it just seems to me like we're just talking about the same stuff over and over and over. And there is zero improvement. Like I said, I, I don't remember which open I said it in this morning. I did two of them, but nobody heard the first one. Um, this administration, I, I, it makes me insane to watch the press briefings every day, but I watch them every day. It's like pure torture, but, no matter what the topic is, the problem, all these problems we keep talking about and outlining, their answer is the same thing. We're doing everything in our power to fix that. But they won't tell us one single thing that they're doing.
2: Kevin, if it wasn't for you, you know, there's a certain, you know, people say, I don't give a shit. You're probably one of the most well-read and rounded people, uh, it kind of like, um, fair and, uh, unbalanced, you know, they it used to mean something, but now with the, um, I've got my chain of thought where I was going with that, but, um, if it wasn't for you listening to you, I probably, I, I think I would be a gut felt because. You know, you ever you ever watch watch Getzel?
0: Yeah, at least he tries to add a little humor to it.
2: Humor, humor, humor. It's all humor, and you're laughing, and it's and it's and it's and it's so uh, humor. Uh, he, that's what he does with it, and I and I go, well, shit! I'm I'm all the way to like first five. And I listen to Tucker's opening, and then when you oh, I want to watch this, Bing, there goes the button. And I'm done with <laughs> you know, and, and then this. I'm done with you. You start making me watch shit. I don't watch that program because of this, and then now uh, hey. I'm watching you, giving you the benefit of the doubt. Now you're gonna make me watch it.
0: Hey, hey,
2: you know, hey, and, um, hey. and
0: ha- yeah. Have you ever watched The View?
2: Oh no, Kevin! Come you, on now.
0: You, you should watch, watch it. Really? You, you should watch it, and then call like, me back. We'll have put fun it down with that. My
2: head head, but that's what you. But it's all it's it's you know, I'm getting too old now. Thank God for your cardio miracle because <laughs> I really do believe that it's calmed down my heart and it's fixed it from getting close to having a heart attack. So yeah. and then I said, Well shit, you know, and they kept it says so one get a big scoop, a heaping scoop. So I'm a heaping scoop type of guy. And then I you know what? this darn country is going to drive me into a bit mass market. Oh, and you got to take it once in the morning and once at night. Oh shit. I haven't been doing that at night. <laughs>
0: so, yeah.
2: Now I, it's like uh, twice a day. This is what I focus on more than copy. Go
0: ahead. I, yeah. I just had an idea for a show. I, you know, I need to think this through, but um, it might be really fun to get three or four other people together with me and have a panel And the whole point of the show is we'll watch the the view the day before, and then we'll comment on all the things they commented on. That should be fun.
2: (laughs) I'm not an intellect like you are, Kevin. My my passion. Okay, Vic, breathe. Breathe now, Vic. You got to breathe. <laughs> be, that's what you're gonna be telling me. Be so you gotta remember to breathe. That's right. You gotta remember that you're talking to people that are listening because I won't handle it very well. That's why I got in, you know, surf ex surface. We got in a few scraps here and there, Kevin. And, and passion was uh something that we were really into and uh we what we believed in, whether it was you know, we believed it. me <laughs> Oh my God! I'm not in condition to do that, Kevin. We'll work three scoops a day, Vic. Three we'll, scoops a
0: day. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it. We'll we'll put you in uh, the sauna blanket and then a cold shower and give you a bunch of cardio miracle and we'll we'll get you ready.
2: I'll tell you what. I'll do this. This time I won't be the worst. The next time Sarah says, "Oh, I got to go." You know, we're in the area and you got to go see Vic, uh, Sarah. Please think, Kevin. In it, okay. Well, it's Monday afternoon, I'm going to go in. We're going to go visit them, and we're going to watch the view together.
0: There you go. I'll
2: do that with you. I'll watch it together with
0: you. There you go.
2: In my view of you, it'll be Kevin's view.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right, sounds like a plan. Hey Vic, there good talking go. to you as always. The phone lines are exploding again, which is awesome. I want to make sure I get to these. Let's go to south carolina eric welcome to the program
1: oh you want to talk about the chinese art of timing oh i just got done with the uh shipper in here oh there we go walking back out to the truck yeah so um i want to touch on something before i ask my question uh you had the guy with the deleted engine he said that uh off-road use yeah off-road engines are uh Tier 4 interim for 2011 and Tier 4 full uh, 2014, just like uh, large trucks.
0: Oh, I, well, there's a good point. Yeah. I, and I don't keep up with that stuff. I know we have industrial engines, we have military engines, we have off-road. It's also damn confusing. Um,
1: yeah, it goes from 100 and, 150 uh, horsepower up to uh, 750, and then the 750 plus is, is a different... Now, Different animal there.
0: Now I just want to make sure because I don't know this for a fact but I have a feeling that that horsepower only is only based on the original stated horsepower from the manufacturer. You can't go turn your engine that's, up to 900 horsepower to get away from these regulations.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And 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 even if, even if you did, oh you'd have to go through uh bunch of stuff like Joel has to go through, you know, it, the, Joel, he gets uh new, new, uh, valve cover and, and all kinds of stuff with the, uh, the new emission standards for well, a little bit of horsepower he changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Good point.
1: So my, my actual question is, uh, I bought a car and I bought the car. To take up to uh, the company that I'm leased on with, and use it on my uh, personal time. Now I realize that uh, I don't get the deduction for travel and all that kind of stuff to use that car from that location to go home. My my actual question is if I put a, a geo tracker on that particular vehicle, will I get the deduction? uh for the cost of the uh, geo tracker.
0: Yes, as a percentage or actually it depends on what method you're going to use to deduct that vehicle. And if you use the method I'm probably going to recommend then no, technically you don't. There there are two two methods. First off, you are an owner operator, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay. And let's talk about a, a Kind of a, a hack to add some deductible miles here you are correct that if the trip from your home to where the truck is parked that's considered a commute and commutes are technically not deductible but if instead you leave your house and you go right, to the parts, the parts store and then to the truck then that becomes deductible so just keep right, that in I thought in,
1: about that. Yeah, I thought about uh, buy, buying something from uh, yep. Volvo and then driving yep. driving all the way to Volvo in, in Louisville from uh, Minneapolis and, and doing it that way. There, I did think about that.
0: There are ways to make those things deductible. So keep that in mind. It can really add up. Um, the, there are two methods for deducting the business use of a personal vehicle. And that's what this is. It's a personal vehicle, but you own a business. You're allowed to use that vehicle and we're allowed to take a deduction when it is a business use. So the first way, which is far more complicated and almost always ends up in a smaller deduction, is that you take all of the expenses for owning that vehicle, payments, insurance, interest, repairs, maintenance, all that stuff, And you add it all up and you say, okay, I spent this much money to own and operate this vehicle. Now you have to keep two different logs on mileage. You keep a log every time you use it personally, and you keep a log every time you use it for business. Now we have to figure the percentage. Did you use it 72% for business? If you did, then we get to deduct 72% of all of your expenses. That's the first method. The second method is you keep one log for business use and keep total miles you put on the vehicle, and then you just take the standard allowance, which off the top of my it's head like cents or something it's i was gonna say it's usually between 50 and 60 cents a mile and when gas prices go up that number goes up it always has i'm assuming it will again now Uh, but even if it doesn't nobody spends 50 to 60 cents a mile to operate a personal vehicle it's not even close right so using the mileage allowance is the way to do it and then Technically, no, you don't get a specific deduction for that item you put on the geotracker because now it's just part of your mileage allowance.
1: Right, right. Okay, I was just curious about that because I was looking at uh, links up and uh, they're like 36 bucks a month, but uh, you know, it gets mounted deep into the dash where they can't just disconnect it.
0: Yeah, it it it's you know it's probably a good idea to have one. Thirty six bucks a month isn't no. much, and you like I said, right. the, that that mileage allowance is so generous that you get to deduct far more than you really spend.
1: Outstanding. So uh, yeah, I'll tell the wife whenever we uh, decide to go on home time that uh, yeah we got to pick up some parts.
0: Yeah, and one yeah, other thing. One other thing that a lot of people don't realize because they make it sound like if you're going to use the mileage allowance, that covers everything. That's not technically true. There are still two other areas that involve that vehicle that you are allowed to deduct directly even when you're on the mileage allowance, and they are tolls and parking. So if you're paying to park that vehicle somewhere, then that parking is deductible on top of the mileage allowance and any tolls you might spend are also deductible on top of the allowance.
1: Well, I've got a spot inside of the shop, so uh, I really ain't going to be paying for that. I drive it up the ramp and park it over in the corner and they stack a bunch of freight around it. So (laughs) yeah, we're going to be in pretty good shape, I think.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Go with the mileage allowance. It's so much easier and better
1: awesome thank you so much
0: you're welcome thanks for the call let's go to texas greg welcome to oh oh no greg if you're listening um call right back and i'll move you up to the top of the line i hit the wrong button um that was my fault but if you dial right away i'll see your call back up there and i'll move you to the top uh let's try georgia instead matt i hit the right button for you what can i help you with today
3: Cardio Miracle. Yes. I uh, bought some. I didn't have low blood or high blood pressure or anything. It's just uh, the guy talking about it told me it had all kinds of great benefits. But uh, I hadn't checked my blood pressure for a couple of months, checked it over the weekend. It's numbers like I'd never seen before, like 100, over 70. And normally I was running 130, 135, over about 80. So the stuff really does work. Um, but the reason I was calling, a couple of callers said they had problem with the taste. You can add a lemon to it, or you can add your uh, Bragg's vinegar to it, and it takes the sweetness right out of there.
0: Oh, you know what? You just reminded me of something I was doing last summer, and I forgot all about it. When I would make my big tumbler to go outside and work in the garden, I would put some Bragg's in there. Just because I, I kind of like that acidic taste and, you know, it makes it even cleaner and you get a bunch of good stuff from the Braggs. And I, I was doing that last summer. I forgot all about that. You're right. It, it changes that taste quite a bit. Um, so are you sensitive to the taste without the Braggs
3: in it? No, it tastes good to me I just, you know I hadn't tasted anything sweet in so long It was unusual But uh, yeah, I didn't really put it in there To change the taste I just got to, you know have a lemon a day and brags every well, day. Just kind
1: of put it all together there.
0: That's kind of what I. That's kind of why I did it too. It wasn't because of the taste. I just I figured since I'm going to make this every day, it only takes me a second to throw some brags in here, and then I'm getting some every day. Uh, so I didn't do it for the taste. But you're right. It it cuts the
3: sweetness way down <clears throat> on it. That may work for. Them. Yeah, and another thing going. Uh, you know, you said the yogurt tasted kind of tart. I didn't have a problem with the taste, but I did experiment a little bit and put some of the uh, uh, collagen peptides in it. I think I had some kind of orange vanilla flavor, put that in there, and that gave it a sweet taste. Also, you can put that Cardio Miracle in the uh, yogurt as well and gives it a sweet taste.
0: Somebody else mentioned that. I haven't tried that yet, but Cardio Miracle in the yogurt might be a really good thing to do. I like that idea.
3: Yeah, well, give it a try, my friend. I appreciate you, Kevin.
0: Will do. Thanks for the call. Great stuff, by the way. Let's, uh, all right, I don't see Matt in Georgia. He had a question on Cardio Miracle as well. Matt, um, I hung up on you, so if you want to dial back in, I'll keep an eye out for your call, and I'll move you up to the top. Let's go to Lost Wages. Gene, welcome to the program. Oh, no. Jean, are you there? Ah, that's another one. I'm going to put that one back in the queue. Angie, can you check on that um, that call? Let's try Texas. Terry, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind today?
4: Uh, cardio miracle. It tastes pretty bad to me. It's almost like taking medicine, but also. Can't do stevia; it's real bitter, and I cannot stand cilantro.
0: Interesting.
4: So
1: maybe there's I, something to it.
0: I <clears throat> gotta go do a little digging on this because cilantro is one of those foods that people seem to either love or they hate, and I'm I fall in the love right. category. Man, I you can't put enough cilantro on something for me. I use it a lot. Uh, I grow it all summer
4: long. Well, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of Mexican restaurants and salsa. I can have a little bit in it, but if they put too much, I can't do it. That that's you know, interesting. I can handle just a little bit, but not much.
0: Yeah. So now we're starting um, to hear the <clears throat> same thing about Cardio Miracle that some people and and I will tell you, Lisa is a good test of this. Lisa does not. She's a like a super taster. She's really sensitive to taste and smell, and it's one of the reasons she can cook so good because she has such a sensitive palate but normally anything right. like this with any kind of a sweetener, she just can't stand it. Cardio miracle is yeah. one of the things she does consistently every day. I never see her miss a day with cardio miracle. Um, so it, it's, not, it's the same way. People either seem to love the taste of cardio miracle or they hate it. And this is the first I'm hearing about that. Well, I,
4: don't, I don't hate it. I mean, I can drink it and tolerate it, but I don't look forward to it. I just kind of, turn it up, you know, kind of get it over with, kind of like taking medicine, you know, cough medicine <laughs> just gotta get, get, get her down, just mix it up. I'd mix it about 12, 16 ounces, and, you know, one scoop,
0: and i just mix it up and i just chug it.
4: Uh, there, yeah, see? That's <laughs> the only way that, I can't sit
0: on it. It's, it's interesting. I normally don't drink a lot of flavored stuff. I, I drink mostly water, coffee, tea, uh, kombucha, which is flavored, but, you know, that to me... It's just a really, really natural kind of flavor. So I was shocked that I enjoy drinking the Cardio Miracle so much. Like, I look forward to it. Um, So it's going to be interesting if this thing turns out to be that same gene as cilantro.
4: It'd be interesting. I mean, I I know, you know, I was a biology. I have a degree in kinesiology, which is part of the reason I called uh, my question. But uh, I remember in the one the biology labs, you had the little taster, you know, you put the little piece of paper on your mouth and you know, on your tongue, and some people could taste it, some people could not. I could not taste it. It was like putting toilet paper in my mouth. But then some people would just spit it out, you know, gagging. It tasted so bad. Yeah,
0: yeah I... The taster gene. Lisa and I are mm-hmm. almost opposites when it comes to tasting. We're both big foodies. I love food. I love to cook. I love all kinds of things about food. But I... She's a super taster. I'm the opposite. I need strong flavors in everything. I want strong coffee. I want, you know, hot salsa. I want heat on almost everything I eat because I don't have a really sensitive palate. I have the opposite. Like I can eat anything just about because I don't taste it really strongly. And then I I cook foods with big, bold, strong flavors and almost always add heat to just about everything.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I like the spice. I don't like, I can handle the heat, but I don't like a lot of the flavors of the heat. The thing that causes, you know, but the, the give you the spicy. It, right. One of those, um, and I actually did the 23 and me and it actually told me on there, you probably have an inversion to cilantro and you also have probably have a low bitter tolerance. And yes, I don't like, I mean, if I drink coffee, it's gotta have some cream in it. I
0: yeah, mean, I see, tone it down, so. see for <laughs> me when it comes to coffee now, there's a there's a fine line between bitter and strong tasting in coffee, and it has to do with the bean, right. how it was roasted, how it was ground, the right. temperature of the water you use. I right. mean, it gets crazy, but for right. me, I push the limits. I want the strongest black coffee I can get without it becoming bitter, and I had to double down right. on that when I started drinking NDK coffee because you put all that fat in there and fat will cover up that flavor. So I now I have to brew even stronger coffee so I can get that coffee taste.
4: Right. Well my question was about keto and miracle in a way. I just I've done it before, but I just got back on it, started about a month ago, and you know, because I'd got the keto mojo, you know, so I could monitor it and see how I was doing. And I was doing well after about weeks. I mean, my GKI had gotten down to like 1.5. So, you know, I was in there pretty good Excellent. staying there, but <clears throat> I don't know why, but here this last week, my glucose is now is up to hundred, 110. It's even hit 120. Whereas before well, even when I first started, it was never over 95 or 105, you know, somewhere in that hundred mark. And now my ketones are down to like 0.5. And I was like, is there anything in the keto miracle that could knock me out or, you know, kind of mess up my numbers?
0: It, it's possible, and you should test it, you know, do a week with, a week without. Well, that,
4: that, well I, I quit I quit drinking it Friday, and since then, it's already started. The GKI is already coming back down. It's already gotten back
0: down to about a five. That that could be uh, it then. Four to five. Um, yeah, and that's the way we would test it. And I don't,
4: would, I don't think it. And, it, yeah, I, you know, I mean, like I said, being a, a biologist, you know, I was a high school teacher and stuff for a long time until so I got tired, of being woke, um yeah <laughs> and politically correct
5: yeah my
4: filter gets better of me but yeah i mean i was so i was testing it that way um you know i did with that and like so, i said it, it started doing better the last two days it's you know coming back down it didn't just drop back down but it's you know like i checked this morning after i've been up about five hours my glucose was like 88 and my ketones was 1.2 so, so here's
0: you know, here's, back up. here's how it could happen and then you would decide are the numbers changing? Well, we know the numbers are changing based on whether you take it or don't take it. How about the way you feel, right. your energy levels, weight gain, things like that? Anything else changing?
4: Well, I haven't got the weight since I've been back out on the road. I was at home and I got it. <clears throat> and uh, I was just doing it once a day. Now when I was taking it, I felt great. I used to take Phenamine and Adapix, you know, years ago. I used to be 600 pounds and now I'm about 295. So, you wow. know, I've come a long
0: way. Congratulations. But, um,
4: and I'm one of those, I did have the gastric bypass about 10 years ago before I knew better. You know, got talked into it. Um, And I got down to about 380, you know, but so I've still lost almost 100 pounds after being stalled out at 380 for eight years, nine years.
0: Excellent. So, I mean, Excellent. I'm
4: starting to move back in that direction. Since I started doing keto last now. summer, I got off of it. I got off the road. And so...
0: Now that that actually brings up another point, and I would have wouldn't have thought to ask this, your digestion works different than other people's. Now that that's been altered, right. we're we're actually right. working with a um, gastroenterologist now to to try to help support people that have had digestive surgeries of all kinds. You know, your gallbladder gets taken out, lap right. bands, bypass surgeries.
4: No, my mine. No, I made sure mine stayed in.
0: Good. So we're, we're just trying Uh, to learn uh, more so we can help more, but here's, here's why it could be happening. The, the body will, two things. One, when you eat very low carb, your body is more primed to produce its own glucose. It gets better and better at producing its own glucose because our brain has to have some glucose And if we don't eat enough, our body will make some. That's why we get what we call the dawn effect. Now, on top of that, anything that tastes sweet, even if it's not going to physically raise your blood sugar, just the sweet taste can be enough so that your body starts putting out some insulin and other things because it thinks carbohydrates are coming. So and that actually gets amplified when you eat lower carb than when you do taste something sweet. Your body will dump some glucose and some insulin and other things. So it, I, it does sound well, already like that's what's happening. Now we need to determine: yeah, is it only a number or is it actually affecting the way you feel?
4: Oh, I mean, I feel great. I mean, it's like I've got cushions in my joints and stuff. Again, I almost got out at the receiver, that then ran to the shipping office. You know, I felt so bouncy and,
0: you know, I, mean, I felt great. Good.
4: Uh, now, this was before I started Cardio Miracle, before I went home. Since then, I mean, I've, I've been a little more tired and stuff than I was, you know, before See? the numbers went down. Once the numbers went down, my energy went back down.
0: Okay, then here's the thing. Uh, I would test this one or two more times, and if that is the result, I would stop taking it.
4: Yeah. And I was just taking it for, just for the benefits. I've, right. I've never really had uh high blood pressure. I mean, I was, last time I checked it when I had my DLT pills, it was like 112 over 65 ish. Uh, you know, and that was at 330 pounds because I was 330, you know, a month ago. Yeah. I have already lost like 35 pounds in the month I've been doing
0: back on the, and I'm actually doing more carnivore, ketobore. Excellent. Yeah. If, if, the way I approach this, if it changes the numbers, that'll get my attention, then I'm going to test it a couple mm-hmm. times. If all it does is change the numbers the way you just described, I wouldn't even worry about it. That's why I ask, but how are you feeling? And if you start feeling like yeah, I don't true. have as much energy, I don't have as much, then I would stop.
4: But of course, my, my sleep schedule got a little messed up with some of the loads. I had to you know, deliver You know, odd times of the night, so that was part of it too, I'm sure. But I was wondering, too, maybe if fat adaptation was, was maybe a part of some of the reason the glucose might have went up because, you know, now I'm starting to use the ketones better in the fat. And so it's like, okay, we're still producing a little bit too much glucose, so maybe it would adjust itself. I mean, because it's not going sky high. You know, it's like 108, 110. Right,
0: right. Yeah, that's why I'm not. I've
4: ever, I've ever been.
0: I'm not really worried about the numbers. I see those kind of numbers when I eat real low carb all the time. But I, I do put more emphasis on how you feel. If we start doing something yeah, different and, and, and we, and it makes us feel worse instead of better, you know, I'll test it back and forth to make sure. But then at some point I'm going to say, I'm just not going to do this.
4: Right. Yeah. My doctor is always like, you know, what's the opposite of toffee? you know, stand outside, fat inside, you know, I'm kind of the opposite, fat outside, but uh, she said, she would put my numbers up against anybody's, you know, blood right. pressure, resting heart rate, you know, like 58, you oh, know, because you, other than, other than your weight, she goes, you know, you could go out and run. Matter of fact, I thought I had a heart attack a couple of years ago. I was having palpitations. Uh, my heart would would just start racing, and then it would stop, you know, for a couple of seconds and hit real hard. And so I went to the doctor, and she put me on the little mini, you know, EKG, and says, you've had a heart attack. So she sent me to a heart specialist, and he said, you've had a heart attack. Put me on the treadmill and all that kind of good stuff. And he goes, yeah, you've had a heart attack. And did all this blood work and had to go back a week later. He goes, you haven't had a heart attack. He goes, <laughs> you got the healthiest heart I've ever seen. And this is after i have been doing keto for a couple months. Right. The first time. And, uh, he goes, he says, you've got the healthiest heart I've ever seen. I mean, they did the echo, you know, looked at everything, the, yeah. you know, look for blockages and everything. And they, I didn't let him do any catheterization or anything like that. Just right. all external scans. Right. He said, I got a question. He said, coffee or soda. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you drink one of those a whole bunch. I said, both. He goes, your magnesium is almost non-existent. Yeah. So got on some magnesium and never had a problem with it.
0: Excellent. So they yeah, were you know what? I, I,
4: I had a, I, I had heart attack from, from eating keto.
0: Yeah. Now I, I think you've got a good handle on this. So I, I would trust your own instincts and your own judgment. If you feel like, you know, when you're on the cardio miracle, you don't feel as good as when you're off of it, then I wouldn't take it. Um, and there, there could be lots of reasons for that. It's, you know, there is still some bio individuality, All right, looks like we got uh, Greg back. So I'm going to move him to the top of the line here. Uh, Greg, welcome.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Kevin. not hanging up on me this time.
0: <laughs> yeah. The first time I couldn't hear you. The second Uh-oh. time I hung up on you, I think the third time's a charm.
4: Exactly. Uh, well, first I wanted to, uh, give you a, Somewhat of an update. I, about a month and a half, two months ago, I had called you about a couple questions. My sister-in-law, who was doing that that challenge, um, and had you know was doing keto, uh, and you know, I finally, after years, got her to try it, and you know, she, like I told you, she became a believer, and especially when she ended the challenge, and, and she had lost like in 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 ninety days, it was. 16% body fat. Wow. It was, uh, and I can't remember, I can't remember what the pounds were, but yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's ecstatic. I saw a picture of her yesterday and I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing and she's definitely, definitely sold on it now. It just,
1: it, it took me years to get her there.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, well good yeah. for you. Cause that's the one thing we all struggle with when, We learn how effective this is and how much it can help people. We always want to share it, but it's the hardest thing to do. So congratulations.
4: Yep. Uh, Well, especially, you know, she had her, you know, they've got a trainer and he is so against keto and all that. And, you know, so she had to kind of do it behind, behind his back. And, you know, (laughs) so now she's ready, ready for the aha moment to let him know.
0: Awesome. But,
4: uh, I'll go ahead.
0: No, that's awesome. Yeah, but, I, 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 no, I
4: had, uh, I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, it was just, uh, um, I know I'd asked you, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, but I can't, I can't find the show it was on. Um, so I, I, I did like you, uh, like you did over the weekend and, and, um, uh, took out a couple of butts and I'm going to put them on the smoker today. Um, what is What all did you say you normally put in whenever you can them?
0: So the uh, I'll just go through the whole process on the pork butts because I've had several questions on it, and I haven't had time to write this up yet. So okay. um, so I smoke it differently because when we can meat, it's going to get a long cooking at a high temperature, 75 minutes at, at like 250, um, which is a lot of cooking. So it's going to cook in the canning process itself we could actually start with raw pork and it would cook completely till it fell apart just in the canning so you know normally i would smoke a pork butt for eight or ten hours sometimes at a low temperature Uh, i only put it on the smoker for four You, you can't get any more smoke flavor four is about the maximum you get a nice deep smoke ring yep. on it. You get a good smoke taste. Now, it is still almost raw inside because it's four hours at like 185 on the smoker. So pretty low temperature. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's hard to cut. It's hard to get off the bone completely. Um, but then it's ready to can. It's got smoke flavor. It's not totally cooked. So in the bottom of the jar, I put raw onion and... Um, roasted hatch green chilies that that's it. That's what, and and a little salt goes in every jar because okay. salt makes everything taste better. So, uh, and then I top off. So the, the process I put, I mix the onions and the green chilies so I can just put it in at one time. There's no reason not to mix them. So I mix those first that goes in the bottom of the jar. Then I pack in as much meat as I possibly can. I use a wooden dowel and I pound it down into the jar and bring it up to just below the the bottom of the threads and then i top it off with chicken bone broth and that creates just. oh a,
1: yeah that's right
0: yeah that creates just an awesome flavor and we also get the benefits of the bone broth every time we eat the meat now and then that's it a little pinch of salt yeah. and 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 i do now i actually do all the meat this way i do turkey i do pork i do chicken I, I do it all the same because it just tastes so darn good
4: yep and and so let, let me ask you this i don't know because i know you you use a uh an electric smoker or a uh a, a pellet smoker right
0: pellet smoker yeah
4: yeah so uh, which i i have one but on on big pieces of meat like that a lot more smoke flavor can you can you get too much because because I was going to do it on my wood smoke because I've got both a pellet smoker and a wood smoker. So and I, I know, you know I get more I get more smoke out of the wood.
0: Yeah. So and and I've used just about every type of smoker there is. Real wood, which I love, it's just a lot of work. Um, I love the pellet grill because it it's just so darn easy and consistent. I have a Traeger Timberline which has a super smoke setting on it. As long as your temperature is under 225 degrees, you can turn on super smoke. And I get just uh-huh. as much smoke out of that mode as I've ever gotten out of real wood. And to answer your question, really, not only do you not get too much smoke, it's actually hard to get enough. And I think what happens is when you pour in the broth and then you pressure cook it for that long... You actually lose some of the smoke flavor, so my goal is to try to okay. get as much smoke on it as I possibly can. So, if if you want to try, you know, wood, don't worry. I don't think you're going to get too much smoke.
4: Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. You know, I had a Traeger years ago, um, and I didn't like it. It didn't. Of course, it didn't have the super. I mean, it had the the smoke uh, setting, but not like a super smoke and I, you know, it was okay for ribs and all, not, not great, but, you know, and, and I switched to uh, a, a rec tech and it, it gives a lot better smoke, but I, I still, this one does not give off as much as I can on wood.
0: When, when I put so, yeah, this I'm, on super smoke at 185, the smoke just rolls out of that thing.
4: I guess they've come a long way. Of course, like I said, that, that one I got, I probably got it 10 or 12 years ago. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I, when it comes time to replace mine, cause I use it a lot and, and, you know, it's, it's, been, it's, it's good. It's still in good shape, but you know, when day comes, heck, I might have to look into something yeah, else. I've,
0: I've heard a lot of people love the Rectech i I've, I've i don't think i've ever heard anything bad about them people really love that oh one. i do i love it yeah i've been through over the years i've been through a couple pellet smokers i got a green mountain when they very first came out and i just wore that thing out i've had a couple little portables that i've worn out um this timber line is pretty heavy duty um, and if I ever did wear this one out or for some reason, I wanted another one, my next one will be a RecTech, just because I've heard so many good things about them.
4: Oh, it is. I mean, you know, and, and they're great, you know, the, the downfall, the only downfall, to RecTech is you can't get them in stores. Um, but if, if you have any issue, they, they overnight you part. Um, and, and you know, it's got a, you know, they got a six year warranty. So, yeah, I've, me and uh, a couple of my brothers and quite a few of my friends that have bought them, and uh, we we all love them. But, yeah, that yeah, that'll so be my I'll, next. Also, my yeah, and, and you'll love it. Believe me, and I like I said, uh, mine our mine gets a lot of use, and I, I can even grill. Heck, I I, I rarely use charcoal anymore. I even for grilling, I'll grill a steak on it. I'll get it up to about five, six hundred degrees, and and grill it but uh yeah so also though my, my other question was um doing doing the liver i got it because that's what i'm gonna do have tonight and i got it soaking in buttermilk and, and you said um i forget what kind of flour that was but uh, root Arrow,
0: arrowroot arrowroot yeah
4: so and do you do you add what kind of seasonings do, or do you add any seasonings
0: to it you know, for some reason, for me, if I do a steak or other, I have a couple blends that I really like to use. But when it comes to liver, I just like salt and pepper. That—that's all I put on it.
4: That's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. And then, and then you just kind of, kind of, do, do you roll it in the arrowroot, or just kind of sprinkle so, it on it?
0: No, so I, I just. Put it in. Actually, the best way to do it is put your arrowroot in a like a Ziploc bag, and then I take the the liver right out of the buttermilk. Give it a little bit of a shake to get the excess off, but not too much. Then I just throw it in the bag and shake it up.
4: Okay, and then um, as far as frying it, the I mean, I, I guess probably either olive oil or avocado oil.
0: Yeah, something that'll, uh, avocado oil, you know, has a smoke point of about 500 degrees, um, or I'll use beef lard, or or I mean beef tallow or pork lard. Most of those can handle pretty decent temperatures without really burning uh, because I want that pan screaming hot. So I, I use a little bit of an oil that will hold up to that heat. Avocado is one of the best. For holding up to that kind of heat, most yeah, uh, most good olive oils will. St- some olive oils will start smoking at three twenty. Some olive oils have a really really oh, low okay. smoke point, so I tend to go with either avocado oil or an animal fat.
4: So, what do you? Uh, uh, what t- I mean, do you, do you get it up to a certain temperature before you drop it in there?
0: Just screaming hot. That's my or temperature. Just get it hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: Okay. All right. I'll tell you. So I'll, I'll tell you another product. I don't know if you you've heard of or not, and I don't know how you do your like whenever you you fully cook something and you want it to a certain temperature. Uh, yeah, But um, a thing called Thermopin. You ever ever heard of it?
0: So I, I have a feel. I haven't heard of that specifically, but I have a feeling it does the same thing as a product I found that changed smoking for me completely. Um, There's that issue, especially with pork, where you reach that stall point. You get right around 160 degrees or so, and it stops getting hotter. And one of the reasons Uh is the internal fat starts melting at that point, and that melting fat keeps cooling the meat down, and you can't seem to get past that point. They call it the stall. Um, I use something called pink butcher paper and and it's probably the same idea you wrap the meat you take the meat off the smoker wrap it in this pink butcher paper put it back in and then your temperature will start going right back up again
4: Oh okay actually though what this is is you, you know because like you know I I know generally most things that I that I smoke uh you know in order to break down the collagens and all you want you know you want to get it to about 200 degrees or so on the right. internal temperature that's right. all this is And, and, and it's super accurate because only, only the tip of, of it, uh, gives the temperature. So you can put a lighter to the middle of the probe. Yeah. And it's, it's an instant one. It's not one that's like Bluetooth or whatever, but I mean, it makes it to where I can, you know, get the, you know, exact temperature of the meat and pull it off at the right time.
0: Yeah. My, um, my Traeger does have the built-in probe and it is Wi-Fi, which I absolutely love because I can sit inside, yeah. set an alarm on my phone, start reading a good book or working and never even have to think about it. My alarm goes off when I want it to. I go out there, I put and I'm not always opening it and closing it and playing around with it. So I put it on. The only time it gets opened is if I'm gonna take it off and wrap it in the butcher paper. And honestly, I've gotten to the point now, um, and I know you know hardcore smokers will probably shudder at this, but honestly, three or four hours is all the smoke you're going to get on something. My ribs.
4: Well, no, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, cause, because I do a lot. I mean, I've for years, you know, smoking, grilling, uh, do it a lot. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's just that's you're right. That's a, that's a known fact to people who. Really know about about that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you're lucky. Uh, I don't even think it, it takes four hours to you know, right. both time two or three hours and four max is is all it's going to take smoke.
0: Yeah. So what I started doing now, I have really, really nice double ovens in my kitchen, really accurate, precise because I love to cook. So now, once I get to that three hour smoke point and it's time to wrap it anyway since I'm taking it off to wrap it, I don't even bother to go back onto the smoker. I just put it in my ovens inside. It's so much easier and it works better.
4: You, you, you know, I have thought about that before, but I just can't make myself do it. And it I really know. doesn't make sense if you're right. Cause I, I do the same thing. I wrap, I just, I wrap mine in full, uh And, but I I can't make myself put it in the oven. And it would it, make more sense. It, it's cheaper than the pellet.
0: Here's, Here's the difference, because I used to wrap mine in foil. Here's what's different about wrapping it in the pink butcher paper. The foil is, moisture can't penetrate through the foil. So you actually end up steaming yeah. your meat a little bit, which makes it hard to get a really good bark on there. The pink butcher paper still breathes. So your temperature climbs like it's supposed to, but you get this beautiful bark that you, it's hard to get when you wrap it in foil.
4: Wow, so uh, you just get a I mean, what is it, pink butcher paper?
0: There are several products out there. I have one specific place that I used to use this guy's recipes all the time from online, and then he would always talk about this paper. He actually sells it. If you look up pink butcher paper, you'll find probably several products like this.
4: Okay. Wow. I'm definitely going to look that up. I'm yeah, Certain things I'm willing to, to, to try new, not... Not a whole lot when it comes to my, my cooking, but yeah, right, uh, right. you know, I would definitely give that a try.
0: G- give it a try. All right, you'll,
4: man, I won't take up any more of your time.
0: Yep, you'll, you'll be surprised. But also, I was the same way with you in the oven. I'm like, man, am I really going to put this in an oven? I, I would never go back. Three to four hours on the smoker, no matter what meat it is, and then it, goes, it gets wrapped and goes in my oven to finish. Let's go to Tennessee. Mark, welcome to the program.
1: Stanford grand legal license
0: is suspended for misconduct. You know that. Hey, hey Chris. Nobody's listening to you anymore. Just you, go away, really. Uh, let's go to Las Vegas. Gene, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, good day, Kevin.
0: What's on your um, mind?
1: Before I get the question I called about, I have a, I have another question I developed as I was listening. For, I have a couple of trucks, and I have a driver that's starting a dedicated route, and I have a car that he's going to be driving back and forth that the company bought. Do, do I write the miles back and forth, or just the expense for the gas, or how do I approach that with him driving that car back and forth every day?
0: Uh, hold on. I, um, I totally missed something there. Go back and start that question over.
1: Okay, I have, uh, I have multiple trucks and I have a driver. We starting a dedicated route today and I have the company bought a car that he's going to be going back and forth the truck to and from. Okay. Um,
0: to, technically him running
1: the car back and forth.
0: technically this gets really weird. Um, because back and forth, is considered commuting back and forth from where we live to where we start our job or where our job exists. That's considered commuting and commuting is never deductible, not for anybody, not for the business, not for the employee. So unless we can figure out a way to call it not commuting, like I said, you can go make a stop. That's a little harder for an employee. So that's not going to work all that well in this case. But then we also have to make sure if we were to try to do this that we're not creating some sort of a tax liability for the employee because you've now given him a benefit. He doesn't have to use his own car. There can be some weird tax rules around that. So if all this vehicle, when it's being used for him to go back and forth, I just wouldn't deduct it. it it's it's technically, it's not deductible. It's too complicated. I would ignore it. I also wouldn't but deal I think- with the with the fact that you're giving him a benefit. I would just ignore it. Now, if you use this vehicle for anything I, else, if, going to get parts, that kind of stuff, then it's deductible, the mileage.
1: Right. Could I deduct the cost of the fuel back and forth?
0: No. No, it, it, it doesn't matter which okay. method. You you just can't take a, any kind of a deduction okay. when it's commuting miles. So if
1: he transports parts back and forth... To the then of the, truck,
0: then, then the, the mileage is deductible, yes.
1: Okay, very good. Now on to my my other question that that confuses me a little bit. If the normal if the miles versus the mileage tax in Oregon. Okay. Is Oregon Oregon charges what twenty four cents per mile for every mile you drive, is that correct?
0: I, I don't know the number, but yes, it is a mileage tax, not a fuel tax in Oregon. That is correct.
1: So if I would drive in Washington instead of Oregon, because I want to go from Seattle down to uh, Kansas City, and there's two routes I can go, the high route and not touch Oregon, where I can come down to Oregon and go the lower route. When I was doing this in my head, if, if my fuel mileage is eight miles a gallon, and I'm in Washington State, which I forget what, I'm forget i going to say it's 40 cents. I don't, I don't remember what it is. But I would divide the, the 40 cents by my fuel economy to see how much per mile that I'm giving the state of Washington as opposed to Oregon, correct? That is correct.
0: Yep, and there, and you're thinking correctly most times, like where, I, where I'm standing right now, um, 84 in Oregon is right behind me. And across the river is 14 on Washington. They both go straight through the gorge. As long as you can get through the right. tunnels on the Washington side, because they have some weird low tunnels, um, you're almost always better off traveling on the Washington side.
1: It's more cost efficient.
0: Correct. Yep.
1: Okay. I, that's what I thought I had it right, but I just needed verification that my logic was going incorrectly.
0: Nope, your logic is correct.
1: So that makes Oregon the, the most expensive state to drive through
0: that. <laughs> uh, technically, it can be. It, it, it gets a little more complicated than that. Um, you know, if you look at states like Pennsylvania, um, with like a 78 cent, I think, fuel tax, pretty darn high. 4.2.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. It, it's, I live
1: in Pennsylvania, so... I'm, yeah, I'm,
0: it, it's high, and what confuses people is when they hear that, their immediate reaction is, well, I'm not going to buy fuel in Pennsylvania then. That's the absolute wrong way to think about this. You don't pay the tax because you bought fuel. You pay the tax because you drove in their state.
1: Right. And I I adapted your logic before. It took me a while to get my head around it. I just looked with our app from Landstar. We can see what the net price of fuel is. Take Perfect. the discount, I take the FTA out. Perfect. I hunt for that cheapest gallon of net diesel fuel. That, that and, is, uh, that that is
0: the only- correct. Now, many times you've heard me say you can't really change your fuel tax amount. It has nothing to do with where you buy, it's where you drive. And it, it, there are very few times where you could take a different route. That would make sense. Usually, no, you you can't avoid an entire state usually. If you have to drive through it, you have to drive through it. But right here where I'm standing, the gorge is one of those examples. It's like a half a mile. For You either take 84, you cross the river, and it's right there. And like I said, as long as you can make it through the tunnels, this is one of those times where you could make the choice, and you can actually save yourself some money.
1: Right. Um, yeah that's why I just wanted to make sure cuz I was looking the, the northern route to go over and through South Dakota and come down to Kansas City or to take the lower route. Yeah, well, I I was going around the higher route.
0: I just did that on the way home. The the absolute shortest route for me from say, you know, I left Pittsburgh power and came home um is 80. You know, just 80 the whole way um and then you come up through uh, Utah and Idaho. But I hate that route. I've done it so many times, I really don't enjoy it. It adds about an hour and a half for me to go ninety instead. It doesn't really matter much when I jump up to ninety. You can do it right in Chicago. You can do it in Kansas City as a couple of players. well, not from that would be from seventy up. Uh, but on this last trip home, I was just so tired of taking that, that shorter route that I chose to take that. And then you do come down through the Tri-Cities and, and back into Oregon, but you spend quite a bit of time in Washington.
1: Right. That's why i was also taken into consideration how much uh, how much climbs do you have. You know, where's, where's your best fuel economy going to be on the highway? Right. Uh, right. There's a couple of hills coming in through Wyoming, uh, going down through I haven't been in Montana a whole lot, but I'm thinking it's more flatland, open running, less
0: climb. Um, a lot of 90 through Montana's fairly level. You do have some long, gradual climbs. And then at the very end, um, just before you get into Idaho and then into Idaho and all the way through Idaho, you've got a couple pretty hard pulls through there.
1: Right. But then again, I don't know personally, and so I do it myself. I mean, it's just you know, and, and where do I get my economy at? Um, and also to touch back on to the uh, with the reference Pittsburgh Power, I had that uh, the Mod Miller trucks has that Series sixty that had the burping issue going on. Yeah, and uh, Leroy he fixed me up. That was a. Uh, if anybody has that problem going on, which when I called uh over talked to them, they said they had several people call them after I was on the show and said what was going on and they had the same exact thing. So it's more it's more out there than what uh than what was known we, even beginning. I think the legal said they had seven or eight people call in. I was shocked.
0: You were the first one I had heard you know, when I first heard you talk about it. It reminded me of what we used to call the coughing issue with the uh, variable geometry turbos and EGR. Um, Primarily on the ISX, they were the worst, but the 14 liter EGR engine did it. Um, It sounded like that, but we knew it couldn't be that. Uh, But you were the first one I had ever heard of it on a pre-emission series 60, but I'll bet I had 10 messages about it.
1: Yeah, I just had a gentleman call me, that's whenever you come to me earlier, a gentleman had called me to ask me about that. He'd heard me on the radio. He got my phone number and called me. And I was, I was answering his question. Whenever you put me oh, on the air, and then okay. he called me back. Got it. But uh, but the yeah Leroy definitely figured that out. Uh, the truck ran great. It, all, it runs just like my N14 does now. Excellent. <laughs> so maybe a little bit better fuel economy.
0: Yeah. Excellent.
1: Um, it, but yeah, it, it, it was one hundred and eighty degrees. Improvement I was in the Flagstaff with that Truck and I was Going to Vegas What the trip Before and the, back, the Traffic was back Up on 40 so I Jumped off the Town I was going Over to Little America and just Going through those Traffic lights when I Was at that lower Speed it was Coughing and Puking smoke and Sometimes you Wondered if he's Even going to make The next traffic Light it was so It wow. felt so bad uh, Once he did that um, I ran up into Detroit and then I, I ran over to Eastern PA and it ran flawlessly. I mean, it, it was right. a 180 degree improvement on that
0: aspect. My, my guess, that's really good to hear, and I'm glad we figured this out, and you know, Leroy and Pittsburgh Powers got a fix. My guess is you could take this to 20 different shops around the country, and they'd never figure it out.
1: I, yeah, well, I had a couple of mechanics around it were we're all scratching our heads. That's why we put injectors and the harness in it. Yeah. Looking at some other yeah. issues, yeah, it it wasn't until, and I'm only forty five minutes away from Pittsburgh Tower. Uh, oh, well, that's nice. Matter of fact, uh, I'm the one that I'm the one to stop by and drop the uh, book off for you. Oh yeah, You're a camp D-
0: D- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that. By the way, um, yeah, thanks for um, bringing this issue to our attention. It sounds like it is far more common um, than we realized. Let's go to. Virginia. Mike, welcome
2: to the program.
1: Hey,
0: Kevin, are you having a good day today? I'm having a wonderful day. What's on your mind?
5: Well, on that uh, cardio miracle, well, you know how you do your uh, uh, bulletproof coffee? Yeah. Or however you want to say it. Well, I just take and mix some coconut oil and some of the bone broth and some collagen. And I put the Cardio Miracle in it, and then I just mix it up with hot water in about probably a mm, 32-ounce cup and drink it that way.
0: Really? So bone broth, pretty some good, you ask me. coconut oil. So, so that would be a very savory flavor, and I love the taste of the Lona Life bone broth, but I can't imagine adding sweetness to that.
5: Well, it doesn't really taste sweet at all, huh, to be honest. Okay. I mean, because I, I use that uh, Thai curry uh, bone broth. Oh, ball.
0: okay. The Thai curry's got a pretty strong taste. I love the Thai curry, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, this might be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoy my Cardio Miracle cold. I, I love it on ice. I, you know have a big tumbler. If I'm working outside, I really like it cold. But for people who may not like the taste cold and get that weird aftertaste, this might be a way around that.
5: Yeah, I mean, because it's pretty good you ask me. And uh, I have another issue. Uh, I called you, what was it, probably about this back in February, I guess it was. Maybe before that about the blood clots I had and uh, talked to Dr. Wilson. Yeah, And I talked to Dr. Laconza who's an associate of his and I'm the one that sent you that uh, uh, paperwork on the dysbiosis. Yes. Or had the real high numbers on dysbiosis and all that. Right. And I'm still trying to get that all figured out because now I'm taking all the stuff she recommended to me to take the N-Tanzine Forte and some uh, ibuterol I think it is or buterin okay so I'm getting stuff like that and <clears throat> ever since last July I have had an issue with being itchy and she says it's probably from the dysbiosis and it seems to be slowing down a little bit but I guess I just have to keep doing the uh, I guess it's called gluterase. That she's got me on.
0: Glutarase, yeah. yeah. Any, you know, the, anything that ends in ASE like that is going to be some sort of an enzyme.
5: Yeah. So, but, yeah, I'm it's starting to get taken care of. I mean, I'm not as issues as I was for a while. I was going crazy for a while.
0: Well, good. That's a good but, sign. And anyway. dysbiosis doesn't go away quickly or easily. When you get a bad case of dysbiosis, <coughs> sometimes we have to work at it really hard to get it to improve.
5: Right. Well, if you remember that paperwork I sent you with the score sheet on my dysbiosis. Yours was pretty bad. Oh, they're in the nine
0: Yeah. Yours was pretty bad. That That's going to so, take some work, but I, it, it sounds to me like they're absolutely on the right track.
5: Yeah. Now, uh, would that be an issue with a fat dietitian too? With that,
0: uh, it can be
5: a chance. Yeah, it,
0: it can be. Anytime we're dealing with digestion, there are always multiple issues. You know, if we're not producing enough enzymes, mm-hmm. which enzyme is it? We have enzymes that break down protein. We have enzymes that break down carbohydrates. We have enzymes that break down fat. So, and this is again why it can get fairly complicated to fix dysbiosis because we have to fix all of the other digestive issues at the same time.
3: Yeah.
5: Okay.
0: Well, that's about all I have. All right. That's all I need today. Thanks for the call. I'm going to head off one more call. Looks like uh, we're going to go to Texas. Paul, you get the last word today. What's on your mind?
1: I'm actually in Oklahoma, so... (laughs) Closer enough. Right. Um yeah, near enough. Same thing. Just felt different. Yeah. Um I got two things real quick. Someone called the other day and mentioned me. Uh yes, I'm a Kiwi, and a Kiwi can also be a fruit or a bird, and we don't give a crap, we're not offended.
0: <laughs> good. Um good.
1: Yeah. So I didn't I haven't seen any news at all since Thursday, or heard any news since Thursday. Well, yesterday I'm trucking along and I noticed, oh, there's a lot of flags flying at half-staff and it's like, I guess somebody died. So then I see on Facebook later, I only looked at the headline, I didn't even read the story but apparently a bunch of people got killed by some lunatic with a gun. Yes. Um. So are we going to fly the flag at half-staff every day for the People that get killed by medical malpractice or opioids or fentanyl or traffic deaths—you know—as as many people get killed by that.
0: Well, to answer your question, no, we're not going to. And for one, there's one yeah. big reason: um, it would lose all its meaning because we would have to fly it at Hefstaff every single day. N- not to say yeah, we shouldn't. Really, yeah. But w- it would lose its meaning yeah. when you do something every day. Then, what's the real meaning behind it? Why yeah, it we choose. New normal, but, yeah. yeah. W- why we choose this particular incident, which you can add up all, thought, all yeah. of the mass shootings yeah. that happen, and they don't even come close to the things that happen every single day. All the people we kill on highways every day, all the people that fentanyl kills every day now is just tragic. Um, But we we mostly ignore those. See, this kind of stuff, one, it's very sensational for headlines. So you sell, you know, more advertising and people watch the news more when something like this happens. So news, they... Uh, you know I don't want to be too morbid and say they love this kind of stuff but uh, in reality they kind of do yeah. and that that same old stuff that happens every day that's just not very exciting news I guess
2: yeah yeah, yeah. well my sister she always used to say news that stands for negative
1: events we sensationalize and I it, tend to agree with you that's actually
0: that's actually brilliant That really is, because that that is exactly right. Um, It's not that that it's the most important thing that happened. It's just what we decide to sensationalize and now politicize. So get ready for we're going to come and take your guns again, because that's really what this always leads to.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll send them to the Ukrainians. Yeah, well, you know,
0: if if they would just look at one statistic, well, one statistic in multiple cities around the country right now. We know that crime is going through the roof. But if you look at what's happening, yeah. we are taking more and more guns off the street, which is what they said was causing the crime, and yet the more guns we take off the yeah. street, the higher the crime goes because what we're not taking off the car, street yeah. are people.
2: It's the illegal, yeah. yeah, It's the illegal
0: gun, yeah. We're letting the people who commit the crimes go out with no cash bail. They're free. We we let them out of jail. So just look at the statistics. We take a bunch of guns off the street. Crime doesn't go down. We stop taking criminals off the street, and crime goes up. It's not the guns. It's the people. But they'll use this story Mm -hmm. to come after our guns again.
1: Yep, so... All right, that's all I got today. All right,
0: that's all I need, and that is going to wrap it up today. Um, Great show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We will be back tomorrow for the Power Hour and the Pit. We will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.